soon as he could put his fingers on top of the ball and pick the ball straight up and he'd stick and say, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Yeah. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. Powered by the Portland Gear Store and Guardian Games, this is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. This is Jack again. I just wanted to tell a story. In 1957, I played for the Salem Senators, and we had a new manager, Hugh Luby, who had managed in 1955 and 56, uh, became a part owner of the Eugene franchise and moved on, and that Hugh was an outstanding baseball man. And we brought in uh, a veteran player named uh, Bill Brenner. And Brenner had gone to the University of Oregon. He was uh, born in Olympia and, and spent uh, most of his life playing baseball and managing. But during the war, he uh, went into the Air Force and became a B-17 pilot. Hmm. Now, I played a full year with Bill and never knew any of this until I researched it to do a little talk in Salem a few years back. And Bill was a a B-17 pilot, and he had made 29 missions over uh, Europe, over Czechoslovakia and Germany. Mm. And uh, one of his quotes was, I was just as scared on my last mission as I was on Mm -hmm. my first mission. And he had four planes shot out from underneath (sighs) him. They brought him back, and he just managed to get him back, and they had to scrap him but not one crew member was hurt other than he said just a few scratches. He received the Distinguished Flying Cross and one other award, I can't think of, oh, he got oak leaves for bravery or I'm not sure exactly Mm -hmm. what that was. But he was became uh, our manager, but he would pitch. He was a catcher originally in his career, and he was a knuckleballer. Oh, wow. So the nights that he would pitch, he would go in, and he would take pine tar and rosin, put them on his index and middle finger, <laughs> put them on there. Then he'd reach over and grab the ball and keep doing that. And I thought, what the heck is he doing? And as soon as, soon as he could put his fingers on top of the ball and pick the ball straight up and he'd stick and say, okay, I'm ready. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, yeah. then he would say to me every night, every time he pitched, he'd say, Jack, play deep and cut across. And he'd go out and every pitch he threw was a knuckleball and he had a sign with a catcher that... Uh, uh, if he wanted to throw a fastball, he rubbed down his pants or some darn thing. But everything was otherwise a knuckleball. Mm-hmm. And w- the nights that his knuckleball wasn't working, it was just a rocket attack inside. <laughs> <laughs> but when it was working, he'd shut him out. And uh, it, it, he was really quite interesting. We would lose, and he'd say, where most managers I'd play for, you know, would say, we got a guy coming in, or you can't leave until you shot. We would lose, and, and Bill would say, beer's going to taste rotten tonight. <laughs> that's all he'd say. And when we'd win, he'd say, the beer's going to taste good. And that was it. But his son, Doug Renner, was quite a swimmer, went to Wilson High School, uh-huh. and uh, it's his grandson, that's uh, the football player at Oregon. Is he still has. He's not. Him? He was the line. He went to Jesuit. Was a great lineman, mm-hmm. offensive lineman at Oregon a couple years ago. And his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. His granddaughter. Yeah. Elizabeth Brenner was a tremendous uh, volleyball and basketball player at Jesuit High School and University of Oregon. Yeah, she was considered the best woman athlete in the state. But Bill, in spite of being the character and everything, I never knew that he had been a pilot in the Mm. war. When he quit baseball, he became a jet pilot for Louisiana Pacific. And I never could quite put that together, but when I did some research, 29 bombings. And he said guys were getting uh, shot down all around us, he says, Mm -hmm. just for some reason. Made it back. Yeah. But he was a really an interesting guy. And then also at Salem, I had the, the good fortune of running into a guy named Bernie DeViveris. I was hitting 196. And Hugh Luby, the manager, said, uh, Bernie will work a little bit with you. 
And Bernie told me, he says, as long as you will listen to me, he says, I'll work with you. Bernie was an old, uh, he was a supervising scout. He signed Mickey Lolich. Oh, yeah. And Local. he, uh, uh, his ideas are a lot of, Charlie Lau became quite a hitting answer. Mm-hmm. All of those things, I've read Charlie Lau stuff's all what Bernie had taught me. Mm-hmm. So he took them and kind of refined some of Bernie's instructions. And Bernie had some definite things on hitting. And I was hitting 190. I hit 318 that year. Wow. Hit 318 the next year. Hit 328 the next year. And uh, it, because I had a concept. He gave me a concept, but he said, if you'd listen. And some guys wouldn't listen to him. He was so enthusiastic, they misinterpreted his enthusiasm for maybe being, I I don't want to use this word character, but he he really wasn't. He was a very intelligent baseball man and played for Detroit, was their chief scout, and many, many of the things I have in my book and that I taught, I learned from Bernie. And Bernie said to me, one of which is a double play, and I could help the guys, the Dodgers and the and the Bo Sox by teaching them Bernie's method. <laughs> Seriously, I look at that. There's no doubt. I can take a kid, and five minutes I can make him have him turn the double play, not because of my talents, but mm-hmm. because Bernie. But Bernie said to me, Jack, it's up to you to keep this body of knowledge alive. Don't let it die. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, that was one of the reasons I, I wrote the book. Wow. Excellent. Well, I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. Oh. I'm John. Jack. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're back for our final part four of Talking with the Duns here. And uh, Jack just shared with us a great, uh, a great story and some great history. So um, we're back at it again here. Thank you to the Mr. Mr. Duns for uh, coming on uh, our episode. We've, we've talked a lot uh, up to this point, and uh, we've talked about Wilsonville. Wilson, we talked about Cleveland. We talked about some minor league ball. We've even talked about uh, somebody out with a lawnmower trying to dodge the lightning bolts. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> Taking his life into resin fingered pitcher. Yes, just about everything. Yeah. It's a great. Um, so, John, we're we're now uh, pre you know post college. Where do you go from from here? Well, I thought I'd get drafted. I didn't get drafted in the spring of 1977. And uh, Kurt Daniels, um, great baseball player at Oregon State, legendary coach at uh, Hudson Bay High School in Vancouver, grabs me and says, we're going to go meet Bing Russell, and Mm -hmm. you're going to the Portland Maverick tryout. There it is. And uh, I said, okay, Kurt. Kurt was one of the... I played semi-pro baseball with Kurt. Kurt mm-hmm. believed in me, and he was a great friend and a great baseball man. And we go over to Scavone Field at Westmoreland Park there, mm-hmm. and I go out in front of, you know, there must have been 100, 150 people there trying out. They're coming from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I threw three or four innings. Bing came down says, Johnny, you're on my staff. And... Uh, that was the beginning of my my um, short A season with the Portland mm-hmm. Mavericks, which was a, a crazy fun experience, I'll yeah. tell you. And uh, I had a really good summer. I made the Northwest League All-Star team. Excellent. Yep. And then my father also made the Northwest League All-Star <laughs> team years prior to that. And we think that we are the only father-son Northwest League All-Stars uh, that have ever mm-hmm. lived. That's pretty if, cool. You know. So I had a good summer, and then I signed with the uh, San Diego Padres and went to spring training at Yuma and was working out uh, to make the Texas League mm-hmm. team, their AA affiliate at Amarillo, mm-hmm. and I got released and, and came back to Portland. Yeah. So were you playing under Frank Peters when you were with the Mavs? I didn't play under... Frank the Flake. Frank the Flake. But Frank was a teammate of mine when we played 38 and over 
oh, baseball, okay. and okay. we used to play at North Marion High School, mm-hmm. which is a great time. facility, by Love the way. Love that yeah. field. one of the best in Oregon. Yeah. Beautiful field. And yeah. Frank's a little bit. I'm 63. I think Frank's probably in his early 70s, mm-hmm. and so he was. He was a little bit older than us, but one of the best hitters I ever played with. I yeah. cannot believe. You know, he was in his probably late forties and great hitter. But I didn't yeah. have. I played for Steve Cut Collette, mm-hmm. and Steve was out of Almsville, Oregon, and went to Western Oregon. Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Bing. Um, you know, Bing was a or aficionado in baseball, and you know, he put together some videos as depicted in the Battered Bastards of Baseball documentary that you can find on Netflix. And, uh, you know, he had Kurt, his younger son, now a a very famous um, actor, and John, if I'm saying his last name, Yashora. 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 He was also in there. And Jack, talk a little bit about what you got from those videos. Did you find them very instructional? Have you ever seen any of those? No, I don't. Well, I've seen the Battered Bastards of Baseball. John's in that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great quite documentary. Good. Yeah. I don't think we. I don't think any of us knew that Bing had done videos, and those were done before. Major League teams were using his training videos. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, and no one really knew. We thought of Bing as this actor kind of this charismatic big character Mm -hmm. and our owner our boss and very competitive but also Um, loved fun and community too well he was a bad boy for the Yankees yeah Yeah. I mean how many people knew that yeah I didn't didn't know it until we we, we looked at it it was crazy he was close to a lot of players I mean it was uh, yeah it's fun stuff you're you're playing for the Mavs, and you know we've see, seen the the video. We've again we've talked to Frank about you know his experience. He, you know he'd say anytime a a ball player would get released, they come and work for me. At, you know at the bar, and he's like, or they come over and eat, and he's like, it got kind of expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and then he talked about Reggie pulling out the gun on him yeah. and wanting to shoot him, yeah. and then evident Reggie, who didn't he take a limo the one block to the field? yeah. <laughs> Pick up from the Mallory best story, best story ever. Yeah. The one block driving the limo yeah. with a fur coat. Yeah, yeah. that's from the Mallory Hotel. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, it was a, it seemed to be a, a pretty big cultural change from Portland Beaver baseball to Portland Maverick baseball. Oh, and then you at the can, time, and you contrast that from Portland State mm-hmm. to the Portland Mavericks. Right. It went from this really regimented. NCAA enforced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To kind of, uh, you know, each man for himself. and yeah. uh, But it was a great experience and a lot of great teammates on that team. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look back and see how blessed I was to... I was a starter and I don't recall pitching in front of less than 10,000 people. Oh, the crowds were yeah. huge yeah. And yeah. for single-level ball. Bing was a tremendous salesman, a tremendous businessman, and, and he had the fun side and the compassion side. He'd come down and mm-hmm. talk to you. But I sometimes I, you know, I, I was amazed. One day I saw one of our first series, and all these grown adults were bringing brooms to the game. I go, yeah. what, oh, what is this? And then yeah. the next thing I know, Joe Garza is on top. This the <laughs> ninth inning. He's on top of our uh, dugout sweeping. And yeah. I had never heard that before. That's even, awesome. And it was so cool. Yeah. And you know, then you see the fans leaving with their brooms. Yeah. Bing actually got them to bring brooms to the game. And just I know. take them home with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I recall in the the film Todd Field talking about how he would make these specific brooms at his home, and he's like, "This this just was not like kosher." I mean, yeah. like these things that would like lighter fluid yeah. and stuff that would like go up, and you know, it's like specially made flammable yeah. brooms. So yeah. it's like he's making these pyro pyro stuff in his <laughs> like garage. What about the dog? PF? Oh, what was it? So Joey McLaughlin was one of our starting pitchers, and. He had this black lab that went everywhere with us on the road. And, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a little tunnel there down the right field line next to the bullpen. And every seventh inning stretch, we'd put a Maverick bandana around um, 
his dog. And at the time, out at Multnomah Kennel Club, there was a famous greyhound running, P.L. P.L. Greer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he won, P.L. Greer won all the races and one of the greatest dog racing uh, of all time at yeah. MKC. So we nicknamed, or Bing nicknamed, um, Joey McLaughlin's dog, P.L. Maverick. <laughs> and awesome. We would throw a tennis ball out during the seventh inning stretch, or right after the seventh inning stretch, and P.L. Maverick would go out after Oh, the that ball. was a highlight. It, yeah. was, it was everybody looked forward to that. Were yeah. you cracking up being at these games, oh, yeah. Jack, and seeing yeah. all this yeah. stuff? What well, was going, you know, as a manager, you know, you were a manager at PSU, like, what was going through your mind? I mean, were you like, just like, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this, or my God, this this is like great. Well, at one time, uh, oh, I thought it was great, but Bing offered me the job. Oh, really? Oh, really? And I would have been an absolute disaster because I'd have, I'd have tried to structure, and it would have been absolutely the worst thing that the Mavs could have probably would have been his major mm-hmm. uh, mistake. But uh, you couldn't because uh, if you're a NC2A coach, you couldn't be affiliated sure. with a professional. Yeah. So that saved Conflict both of us. Yeah. But, it, well, they were exciting, and they played played hard. Mm. They played good baseball. Oh, yeah. yeah. From everything I researched, oh, they, they yeah. were. It was, oh, we you know, everything is emphasizing the fun-loving spirit. This not yeah. the baseball quality for oh, that yeah, it was, was really good. good. And, yeah. and they were, I mean, they were not, I mean, the other teams weren't necessarily bringing guys Upward, they were putting guys downward yeah. just to be they competitive yeah. because yeah. they were they were they had a chip on their shoulder for yeah. for this independent, As an independent team. franchise. Yeah. yeah, you know, I look back and and one of my teammates was Jim Bouton. Mm-hmm. Oh, was, the pitcher. Yeah, when yeah. I was yeah. a he wrote ball four, and yeah. I remember yeah. when he Black pitched for the Yankees. Yeah. He came back as a reliever. Um, Rob Nelson was our pitching coach, and we we invented big league chew. Yeah, in, awesome. Actually, Rob did, but we we had a great deal of input in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having Kurt Russell as a teammate, yeah. um, seeing that playing at Civic Stadium where I played my college ball, it was it was a tremendous oh, the, experience. Yeah, the crowds were amazing. What was it like for you to know that the time had come when the PCL came back in and said, we want to put a, another team here? And, you know, then that put Bing into a position where he's like, well, what can I do? And he went to arbitration and apparently won the biggest he arbitration won the big case. One and and yeah. our friend Jack Faust, the attorney, represented Bing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to high school with Jack Faust. Oh, okay. Local guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and when we have uh, uh, reunion, Maverick reunions, Jack Faust will, will wear, I think it's 218. They got two hundred eighteen thousand okay. dollars. That's his like, jersey number. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's really it's really cool. cool. And I can't remember. There's an interesting story how they came to settle at two hundred eighteen thousand because Major League Baseball wanted to give them peanuts. Yeah, but two that was a lot of money back. Oh then. yeah, yeah, it was a significant amount. Yeah. And it was funny. I read a story that said Jack uh, Bing didn't get paid, and it was for it was a while before he got paid the money. Because the PCL was like, oh, this will bankrupt us, this will bankrupt oh. us. But it said that during an interview, like a, a, like a year, about a year afterwards, he wore a shirt that had 218 yeah. on it. <laughs> like, he wouldn't like, back down, just yeah. rub it in the face like, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but all the Maverick players and, and everybody that you know we spoke to or I've seen either in film or what, you know, yeah. heard, this was very emotional for... Uh, every one of the players can you can you kind of talk about what it meant like to you at that time to have that pulled away from you you know being a uh, a fifth generation Oregonian or and a Portlander to see the Beavers leave was sad and then to see this Bing Russell come to town we weren't so sure about Bing yeah you know and out of towner yeah. yeah out of towner Hollywood Hollywood yeah. bring in these red uniforms to town and he's he is a maverick literally a maverick yeah, right. yeah. and uh and then to see what he established how much money he risked and he believed in us and he believed in portland and he thought portland was a baseball baseball town which it is yeah. mm-hmm. and 
then to have the rug pulled from under out from underneath him and the PCL's going to try to ride on uh, Bing's coattails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Corporate it, loopholes. It doesn't, yeah. you know. Okay, yeah, Bing's built it up. It's a great baseball town now. Now you guys are going to come, and mm-hmm. you're probably going to take it back down because you're not creative, you're not smart, yeah. and you're not going after the fan, what the fans want. And, you know, we played... Uh, <laughs> we had no structure. We... We ran, we hit, mm-hmm. we pitched, we fielded. I don't even know if we had any signs. Well, I think I heard uh, Frank say, no, you can steal if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So, so there goes my bunt sign. Controlled small ball, yeah. So all this happens. Um, the team's gone. The, another team comes in. Were, were you at a point where you were like just so frustrated, so upset that you're just like, I'm, I'm done with this particular part, like with the minor league baseball? That's at the really time. an interesting Were question. you done with it or, or did you go like, okay, well, I'm a person that can forgive and forget and I'm going to go and support the team that's here? Oh, it's kind of funny you ask that question. I I got released on April 6, 1978. Not that that bothers me. First time I had never made a team. Hmm. I was always, not to brag, but one of the better players on every team I played. And Hmm. I can't, I'm not going to play. You you cut me? So I'm down in Yuma, Arizona. Glenn Easy Ezel cuts me. I don't, uh, he get, hands me a plane ticket. I don't know what to do. I can't believe it. Um, my plans are shot. Mm-hmm. I eventually get back to Portland, and uh, Lanny Moss, who was the first female general manager oh, yeah. of yeah, baseball, yeah. calls me up and says, Pretty John, progressive, progressive team. Yeah. I'm, at, uh, I'm at Boise. I'm the GM at the Boise Buckskins. I want you to come over and pitch for me. I wasn't so upset about triple a taking away the mavericks as i was i thought i had made that amarillo team and i had this kind of distaste for baseball and i didn't go to boise Hmm. and so mine was more of a personal thing where Mm -hmm. i didn't and i ran into lanny moss the other day at uh at the Hillsborough Hops game when we oh. had a Maverick reunion and I oh, no told her how much I appreciated her and, and, and making an offer to me. But, uh, yeah, so I, w- I wasn't so much concerned about mm-hmm. AAA baseball. Then I had the idea, Dave Hirsch comes to town and he's the new general manager of the AAA team and I regret it to this day because I was still in shape. I wanted to call Dave Hirsch up and I never had enough gumption to do do so um and i wanted to say hey bring this portland maverick back let me pitch one game i may get shelled but i never did that and that was kind of my mm. thought yeah, and he would have gone for that he you know yeah. knowing that he's a promoter he probably yeah, would have yeah. gone for mm. it interesting yeah. but i never did that and and i regret that to this day so when you're young, you think those opportunities are endless. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. do. I mean, it's just, yeah. So where does this take you now? Like, where are we at at this particular portion of time? You're released to the team. You've been offered, but you're not going. So what? where do you go from here? Well, my dad always said, go make money. So I worked for my grandfather's business. It was Cinecraft Films. It was a 16-millimeter film rental library. I went down there to mm-hmm. kind of stimulate business for them. And then I got a job at Multnomah Kennel Club hmm. in the evenings. And then on the weekends, I was a bartender at Peter's Inn. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So I'd be a fly on that wall right yeah. there. I'm just, yeah. So uh, I was burning the candle at both ends, yeah. trying to do what my dad told me years ago. Or, you know, don't be a coach. Go make some money. Not, not to, <laughs> no, I and, uh, I'll tell you, I had some great experiences at Peter's Inn. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I saw life from a totally different perspective. <laughs> late, late 70s Portland, I'll bet you did. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, uh, talking with Frank, I bet you certainly did. <laughs> oh, Frank was a great boss, yeah. too. Yeah. So, Jack, what what were you thinking at this time? You know, your son was released. You know, what, what advice were, you know, if any, were you given to him? At I don't time? recall uh, uh, saying Anything and John was a good student. I knew he had, he would uh, survive. And then, mm-hmm. to me, baseball wasn't an end all. 
like it was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd gone through that. So looking at my perspective toward him is, uh, this is a blow, but uh, he'll get over it, recover, mm-hmm. and probably in the long run be better off than if he'd stayed in baseball. You you eventually go on, John, to coach high school. Yeah, I've always been a businessman during the day, mm-hmm. and so a couple things. One is um, all my buddies that a lot of them played D one baseball from this Wilson High mm-hmm. School and Watco Electric. We came back and we f- we played for Taylor Electric. Harold Taylor, who's a, who owned Taylor Electric and was a big University of Oregon booster mm-hmm. sponsored by our team and we were very very successful so i pitched on that team for many summers with my brothers and my buddies mm-hmm. and um and then i started to i had kids a little bit later when i was about 30 and then i started coaching uh, my son in baseball and my son in basketball and my daughters in basketball and I coached Steve Corey's son yeah. in Is Little JT? League. JT. Mm-hmm. JT Corey. Yeah. And yeah. Steve says, gosh, John, your dad was such a great coach, and you're a great coach. And his father, Dick Corey, was a great coach. And Steve saying, I'm coaching at Lake Oswego. I love what you're doing with my son, JT. We have the Lake Oswego job open. Why don't you apply for it? So I applied for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a businessman during the day. I was a sales manager at a company called Mount Hood Chemical. And I was able to do that for three years. Yeah, it's quite a long, long haul. Starts in February. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. ends in late July, Mm -hmm. typically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did that for three years. I got an ultimatum, you know, hey, John, you know, we, we want you to choose one or the other. You know, I had to stay with the job that paid me the most money yeah, because I was right. raising a family. Were they offering like a teaching position or something? No, I, I didn't have a credential. Right, right. So, um, so I had to leave that. And then I went back and um, helped Mike Clopton out of Wilson mm. High. Mm-hmm. So I've always been active. And then, gotcha. then I coached for Jerry Gatto in the Collegiate Summer League mm. for Northwest Star Academy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Became a pitching co- assistant coach at Lewis and Clark College under Justin Bachman. Yeah, who is a uh, who got a, got a picture oh, of you yeah. that I oh, found yeah, on that guy's the handsome. one side of you <laughs> yeah. the LSC hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, that's a proud guy right there. Yeah, you know, and that's when I uh, when I started coaching youth baseball. The kids were watching the OC, the one of those shows. Um, New Jersey Housewives or okay. something, you know, and they had J J J Dog or something. So mm-hmm. all the kids, <laughs> oh, there it is. There is. Yeah, there and J-Dog. so that carried through. Kids started calling me J Dog, and even the college players of Lewis and Clark started calling me J Dog. So that's that's where the J Dog <laughs> oh, started. From. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's great. So did you did you like once you got this job? Call dad up and say, what's one bit of advice you could give oh, me about being a coach? Or was this gracious. like uh, just kind of more oh. daily, weekly type event? Oh, as I recall, it was almost every day I was calling him. You know, I learned a lot from him mm-hmm. growing up. He studied every night. We'd be sitting there doing homework and watching TV, and Dad had Ethan Allen's How to Coach Baseball book out, and he's always reading, mm-hmm. always studying. He's a student of the game. Yeah. And, you know, my name, my nickname is Deke because I deked a lot on the field. And I tried to enhance my physical attributes by being even smarter and thinking ahead and and trying to deep guys mm-hmm. in, a, in a hopefully a professional not bush way and uh but i you know i talk to my dad almost every day how do i organize practice mm-hmm. and uh he was a tremendous resource what do you think was the best advice that your father ever gave you about coaching he probably his best advice is what happens the most in a game practice that mm-hmm. you know prioritize what Damn. happens the majority of the time so you gotta be, you gotta be you gotta be able to throw and catch mm-hmm. and field and and we probably emphasize pitching and defense more than we did offense and jack's a 
a master of small ball. I became, I thought I was a, and my two brothers are masters of, of small ball. You know, we'd love, we'd love to, uh, we'd love to keep the defense on their heels. Never mm-hmm. know what we're going to do. Are we going to drag? Are we going to slap? Are we going to delay steal? Yeah, delay yeah. steal. All that's good stuff. Yeah. And uh, and we always tried to offensively do what the defense would give us. Mm-hmm. You know, if we didn't see the middle infielders going to the bag after each pitch, I don't care how fast or slow the kid was at first, we'd delay steal. Or if the catcher went to his knees, we'd delay steal. Um, always trying to pick up the advantage mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. Jack, <clears throat> when you know John went on to coaching, uh, there had to have been a sense of pride oh, like, sure. that you had knowing, like, you know, my son's following in a, in a footsteps of, of me and going into the coaching you know field what what was that like for you at that point uh, very stressful yeah <laughs> you know it is you, you want him to do well you want him to yeah, do well if yeah. i even yeah you want him to do well so it, it's stressful was that more stressful yeah than you coaching yeah yeah i can, you know i mean obviously i can clearly see that um as and, as let me just say this as one uh Monty Scott, former Madison player, said to me, or said to the boys one time, he saw me sitting out at the airport and watching the planes land. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a prep. I like the airplanes anyway, so I'm mm-hmm. watching planes. But I was going to Camus to give a speech for the whatever classification it was, All-Star. So I was practicing that. Monty sees me, then sees the boys later, and he says, your dad's been in too many extra inning games. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's my uh, excuse, I guess. But I vicariously participate, mm-hmm. which I think is natural, because you want him to win, yeah. want him to do well. Oh, I'd have dad come out to practice, and he's, he's exceptional with the middle infielders, and I would just watch him coach. Well, I was head coach, mm-hmm. and I just go, oh, my gosh, I'll never be at that level. Yeah. It was just like uh, maestro uh, conducting an orchestra, I mm-hmm. swear. Just he made it so look easy. He made it look so easy. Yeah. In that, well, you want to control as many aspects as the game, of the game as you possibly can control. Mm-hmm. Now, if the kid's supposed to be at second base to receive the throw... And he gets there and drops the ball. He's human. Mm-hmm. I can live with that. Physical but if he's supposed to be there and isn't there, mental error. Yeah. 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 So you control the aspects that you can control, and you make the routine play, and you make it consistently, and you make it under pressure. Mm-hmm. John, who would you compare your father to for? Coaching on a professional level, who would you compare him to? Oh, now? I think Joe Torrey was the first person that popped mm-hmm. into my mind. Did he have that calm, cool demeanor about him like Joe Torrey did <laughs> coaching? Oh, that far. Well, <laughs> at least I'm not going to go that <laughs> at far. At least that we see, you know, that we yes, that we well, see like. Oh, watching. I would think he has the the cunning and scheming strat- strategy of a Joe Torrey, um, and the respect that a Joe Torrey garners and. Um, he could be an Earl Weaver type too. Mm-hmm. Fiery, huh? I'd fight against Earl Weaver. Did you? Why? <laughs> well, he would go go off. Yeah, well, he was but in a classy way. Yeah. You know, Jack would. You know, Jack knew the rules better than the umpires knew the rules. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when he'd go out and discuss the, you know, uh, yeah. an argument, he usually won it on a uh, just a pure educational mm-hmm. basis, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, no, I think Joe Torrey. You know, I yeah. think of what about Bobby Cox? Does he kind of sounds a little bit, a little bit like Cox. Little about yeah. Bobby Cox of the Braves yeah. back in the day? You know, he got like, thrown out a few times. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, well, we knew that just because it was on TV. Yeah, his pitching coach Leo Mazzoni would be always like rocking, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're like, "What is that guy doing? He's just like rocking the whole game. He doesn't have a rocket chair, but he's rocking." <laughs> so, uh, Jack, you you end up writing a book. At what point? You know, can you talk a little bit about your book and at what point did made you like think of this idea of writing it? Well, the it was, you know, I I lost my wife, John's mother, uh, and 
I was uh, pretty much down in the dumps. And Steve Candelo, who was an assistant coach of mine at Portland State and has been the sales manager, I guess you'd say, for Jug's Pitching Machine for years, mm-hmm. saw that. And I think he wanted to get me on a positive uh, mm. note and, and to get going in a positive direction. So he said to me, and how about writing an article for us? I had written a couple things for Scholastic Coach. And, and he says, how about writing an article a month? And, and his real motivation was to get me going. He says, we'll start mm-hmm. a, a thing called the, the uh, what do they call it, the newsletter or something. The corner, they, wasn't it? The, 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 well, anyway. I can't, well, I can't think of the name of it. But anyway, that goes out once a month about to their clientele. Mm-hmm. So I just, he says, you can write on anything you want. Well, I started with a couple articles, but his real motivation was to get me going. Mm-hmm. And and he was very complimentary to, uh, to me, and I, I say this in all modesty. Uh, he said, are you, what are you going to do, die with all that knowledge? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's something. And, and I mm-hmm. thought back, uh, Wade Williams, who was Johnny Pesky and Vince Pesky and my coach, Wade said to me, take what I give you, improve on it, and pass it on. That's cool. And mm-hmm. Bernie DeVeveris said, don't, it's your responsibility to keep this information alive. Don't let it die. So those things kind of meshed. Mm-hmm. Steve mm-hmm. said, uh, and, and my knowledge was what my mentors had given me and, mm-hmm. and things that I had. So I started writing a series, and they, they did it all year. So I wrote 48 of them, I guess, mm-hmm. different, on different things. And I'm glad I did because... You know, I'm out of the loop now. I'm not coaching, and I've lost some of that uh, information. But it's alive because I have it in the in the book. But that was the motivation for it. Pretty soon, I've got a great big manuscript. Mm-hmm. And just to show you how chance things go, I'm getting a pretty good uh, amount of pages, and but I didn't know really what to do with it. And Tom Light, who was with the, the Kaiser, Salem Kaiser Ball Club, and had been general manager in baseball, and had been at Portland State, not when I was there, but we had a little bit of a relationship through Portland State. And he said to me, I'm going to go over to uh, the Raccoon Lodge, Art Lawrence's place, who's mm-hmm. past president of the Old Timers. He said, uh, uh, we'll go to lunch. Yeah, yeah. He says, let's go to lunch. And when I got there, he said, I brought this friend of mine with me, Rich Burke, who announces for the hops, does mm-hmm. back 10 stuff. And he says, you know, Rich does a lot of stuff, uh, books, and he's done uh, score books for announcers and things. And we teamed up, and Rich says, I'll take that project on. And he knew what to do and how to highlight it. And, and uh, uh, we argued about English usage, but I like, I, I like that. That's good. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> He's an yeah. English major. Yeah, I know. I heard that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, he knew. He did all of the diagrams, made them all uniform, and mm-hmm. uh, and took things out and reiterated and blocked them off. And his graphic skills enhanced that information tremendously. And wow. so we went to Lulu, got it published. Uh, uh, Coach's Choice wanted the book, and they wanted to change the title. And I said, well, the title of it, maybe you don't know, is from the third base coach's box, and you don't know the significance. That's where the coach calls the shots mm-hmm. and the strategy of the game, and I don't want to give that title up. And that was okay. They were very, very professional. And then I got thinking, you know, all this information my mentors gave to me, and I'm passing it on, and it's my intellectual knowledge, my intellectual property. I don't want to give it away for mm-hmm. money. So I said, thank you very much. I'm not going to uh, turn it over to you. I did for a few bucks. Hmm. And they were nice. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to sound like a villain. They could not have been more professional or nicer. Mm-hmm. So that's how we ended up doing that. Yeah. And you told Dave and I a story about the back cover 
of of your book and it's essentially of you but it's your back of you and it has your name across yeah know, the, the upper part of your well your the back. art artwork is uh done by a gal named Leslie Wood and it is a oil painting and she's done several and she was commissioned to do uh, Nolan Ryan. She got so good. She called me up one time and she says, I'm a seventh grade teacher in the uh, Reynolds School District and I just love doing athletic art. She said, I'm going to spring training. I didn't know her from Adam. She says, do you have any connections? I says, coincidentally, uh, Tom Tremblehorn is managing Milwaukee and they're out at Chandler. And I don't know that I did anything. And uh, she but she got access, I must have called Trim, and she got access to the field and took a bunch of pictures, then brought them home and did this uh, oil pencil mm-hmm. thing. And so she called me up later, and I'd forgotten about it, and uh, told me that she had gotten a bunch of shots. And I saw her at the Old Timers Banquet. She said, if you ever do a book, I'm doing the cover. And so I remembered that. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, but yeah. she didn't tell me she's going to charge me five hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. No, yeah. it was actually four hundred. Wow. <laughs> but uh, she's she was super, mm-hmm. and and the back cover of the book was the sports information director Larry Sellers is the one that that put that together. Yeah. Jack's back. Nice. No, I like it. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Well, <clears throat> these have been some. Amazing stories. I know we could kind of continue to go on and on and on, um, but to to kind of bring this all circular around, you know, with the two of you having such a major influence on baseball here in in, in Oregon and more specifically within the Portland metropolitan area, you got this big push now with the Portland Diamond Projects project to bring professional baseball to Oregon what do, you know we'll start with you Jack what does that mean to you to maybe see, see one day in the near future a professional ball club in Oregon well I think it <clears throat> it would be the climax for all the years of baseball uh, in the Portland metropolitan area in Salem it all just will come together similar to what Seattle did and I I like the idea, and I've heard this proposed. Uh, one, build it uh, in not the conventional manner, like Chavez Ravine, huge parking lot. Build it in in a uh, kind of a, what would you call it, metropolitan area, mm-hmm. and then build it on the river so they can whack yeah. it like Covey's Cove out yeah. in the yeah. river. A few things like that. I think it... Uh, I know Portland State was doing some things years ago, and economics department said every dollar that comes in is recycled seven mm-hmm. or ten times. I don't know the figure, but it would be a boon. Plus, it's community pride. gives mm-hmm. you real interest. We have the population I, to support yeah. it. Yeah. Yes, and, and I think the one thing they'd have to have would be a dome. Yeah, retractable. Uh, oh, retractable. Like, kind of like Seattle has. Yes, yeah. you have to have that. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't freeze to death. One of the ideas that I threw out at Dave, we were talking about in our initial episode, was is that because for you know what what make what would make it unique to the area? Because you know you have all these ball clubs around the country, and you, you got to you know got to make it something like you got Covey Cove in San Francisco, you got the Ivy in Wrigley, you've got the Green Monster in Boston, and so on and so forth. I told Dave. We have a lot of food carts here in Portland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's why food not, carts in the stadium? Why not make a food cart alley in the stadium, oh, and they could go in and out for game yeah. day? So uh, I just sure, feel like making great. it kind of like unique. Um, so over to you, John. Like, what, what's what's your thought process on this? You know, I've been tagging along with my dad to the old active and old timers banquet since I was a little guy mm-hmm. and I've seen this baseball heritage in this town this legacy mm-hmm. that has kind of waned a little bit now I love the Hillsboro Hops I think they do a great job mm-hmm. but 
this is a baseball town is what I'm it trying is. to say. Mm-hmm. It's a baseball town. Let's have it. Let's have it near Max and the trolley yep. so we can get in yeah. and out. Let's have it. Uh, let's have condos and restaurants and bars around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's have the river there. Yeah, the culture yeah. is ripe for yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. And maybe it's maybe it's where the Memorial Coliseum is or some aspect of that. But it's it's in the heart of the city and Portland deserves it. Yeah. Do you think the name for the team you think if they decided to use the portland mavericks and bring back the maverick name that it would do justice that is so funny you said that because i haven't even thought about that Mm -hmm. it would be the first inclination is what a legacy for bing russell oh yeah i think so you would you would would support that yeah that's a a big question right there that's a big question you know dave and i have been talking about it wouldn't it wouldn't trivialize or minimize the impact of the mavericks in the 1970s in my opinion it's putting a, a cherry on the top of yeah and let me throw this at you. You know, we're talking about we, you know, we kind of talk about the Mavericks. Talk about professional baseball. What every time I look at the Mavericks, I think of the 2004 Boston Red Sox. And I, mean, it's, I say it repetitively on many episodes. The idiots of baseball from 2004. What that team was able to do, you know, we come back and beat the Yankees, being yeah. down 3-0. Yeah. Being down 3 0 to beat, come back and beat the Yankees four straight. I mean, that's a feat within itself. But, you know, yeah. Johnny Damon with this, this huge, <laughs> like, beard and long hair. I mean, that's that's Portland. Yeah. That's Portland in itself. Who would you, right now, if you could take anybody from any major league team, any young character, who would you who would you take? Oh, my. We'll throw it at you, John. Ooh, centerpiece. centerpiece. What centerpiece? Oh my goodness, that's and a tough question. Dave and I threw out, and I, for me, I, I being a Red Sox fan, like there's there's three players that come oh, on my mind: Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts, oh. Jackie Bradley Jr., uh-huh. or even um, Aaron Judge of the Yankees. You know, Aaron Judge reminds me of Dale Murphy. Does he? Yeah. Same build, same yeah. Same build, same, same countenance on his face. Really mm-hmm. happy go lucky as yeah. he appears and. But just a monster at the dish and in the outfield. I like a Jed Lowry. Yeah. Salem. Jed Lowry. I and mean, what a year he had, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Ben, you kind of caught me off guard on that question. So um, I'm not sure who it would be, but I love Aaron Judge. Yeah. I mean, that's we have to teach him to look in mm-hmm. when he's running. Oh. Remember he got doubled up on that play? That's right. Didn't right. know where the ball was. Right. Yeah, picking up the ball. Yeah, so just yeah. a quick glance. Yeah. You don't lose any speed. He doesn't know where the ball is, and they mm-hmm. double him right. up. They call him yeah. safe. Well, when he gets here to Portland, we can work on that. <laughs> but I do okay. got to say, I, I, you know, I, I, saw, like him as a I saw a story about Mookie Betts the other day, and Ooh, I think he would fill in in Portland just well. And the story was that, there was uh, some homeless people out oh, on the street, yeah. and I believe, and I believe he, without his name being mentioned, right. he had food delivered to these like homeless people that are out there on the street. He would fit. Yeah, Portland. he's a Portland guy. Yeah. yeah, I like his mojo. He's got oh, good energy man. and yeah. always positive. Yeah, always positive. Yeah, yeah. you have to go to bed. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> I'm getting my son to bed here uh, shortly. But, but no, I'm, uh, I'm you know, another guy that we talked about and his just his mentality and it just is to stay with the team is Felix Hernandez and just, you know, his just commitment to uh, the Seattle Mariners and what that means to that. Era. He, I mean, he could have gone on to go for the money yeah. and to play for like but he decided to stay in Seattle I mean that I think in some ways they'd be kind of a character that you'd want here in, in the in the Portland Magic How about area. Altuve for the oh, oh that God. was my guy that was my yeah, original guy he's, he's phenomenal I'm, I'm an Altuve guy I'm all yeah I like him there's just a lot of good characters playing baseball right now and um, a lot of young guys that are coming up and we're starting to see a lot of like the the, the John Duns of the world that had the Jack Duns that were oh, right. prior yeah. to them like playing now yeah and and that's what's really really interesting to, to see and just how well these kids are progressing like upward so um, you know just f- any final thoughts that you have John on, on everything and, and you know, on your dad his career as a whole Oh, I, I, like I said earlier on, I was blessed to be Jack Dunn's son. 
and Jeff and Jim Dunn's brother and Gene's Gene's son mm-hmm. to grow up in a coach's coach's family. I mean, it was. I wish I could give that more to my kids, mm-hmm. but I had. Yeah, John, we'll leave it. Jack, we'll leave it to you. Um, your final thoughts on anything your son's playing ball major league baseball coming to portland what's your final thoughts one is i think uh there's no question portland would accept big league baseball it'd be a very positive thing we've had the tradition we know that Uh, i think i've been blessed with with my family outstanding people and i've got great my grandkids are great Mm. Uh, they've all graduated, 10 of them have all graduated from college. They're going, uh, several of them have their master's degree and mm-hmm. degrees and have gone on. And I have six great grandkids. Wow. And one of my grandsons said to Jeff, Jeff is his grandpa, he said to him, Where is your mother? Well, my wife passed away and John's mom passed away 21 years ago and I thought this will be interesting so he says to Jeff where's your mother and Jeff thought for a minute and he says well she's in heaven with God and the angels and Cam looks at him for a minute and he's quiet and he says that means you can do anything you want to do (laughs) (laughs) so I think Portland can do anything it wants to yeah Portland reminds me of the Sandlot, you know. Just, just don't turn tagged. down a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you've got to. We'll have a, either mm. Tampa Bay, and I understand it's going to be Oakland. We'll have them in here instantly. We'd have them already mm. if we still had Civic Stadium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If if they ask you to throw out the first pitch, how, fa- how fast you throwing? About 30. <laughs> I'd have to have a relay. Dave would probably pull, pull a hammy or something. Right. Oh. To like throw oh, the ball. It'd be a wild pitch. A wild yeah. pitch. <laughs> I like... one hopped the mound at 30 feet yeah. at, in the Pickles game. I went out and threw out the first ball. I don't know if you could call it throwing it out. but Yeah, we'll go out and we'll practice. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, gentlemen, um, it's been beyond an honor to uh, have you on our show thank you uh, so much for you know taking the time to uh, come out uh, on your uh, schedules and to come out and just talk with uh, just us two baseball fanatics and, and being a part of our show it's our been pleasure. a pleasure a lot. thank yeah. you thank awesome. you so uh, that'll do it for um, our amazing uh, four part series with uh John and Jack Dunn. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. Thank you. And uh, I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And uh, you have a wonderful day, and uh, peace out.